Hello, welcome to Free Will, Science, and Religion. I'm Chandler Klebs, and today I'm here with Jamie Soden, George Ortega, Anthony Bishop, David Joseph, Trick Slattery, and Brad Stansel. Um, so since we have some people who are relatively new here, um, it's probably good for us to start out by each shortly refuting um, free will, why free will is, is impossible. And then we'll move on to the topic of why it's the biggest thing ever to understand that free will is impossible. So I guess since I'm starting out the episode, I'll just start that basically determinism and indeterminism uh, both cancel free will out because determinism, everything having a cause, means all your decisions are caused by something prior to before you were born or conceived, before even your parents existed. So you're not responsible for that. And... Um, and indeterminism, complete randomness, meaning something could happen for no reason at all, you still are not in control of. So either way, you are not the first cause of your choices, uh, your thoughts, your beliefs, your feelings, all of that. So you you basically are a puppet, but some people can't accept it. <laughs> and there's a dog. I hear a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dog in the background, yeah. Okay, let's see. Um... So, who wants to go next at um, short refu refutation of free will? George, you start off. All right. Um, I'm going to give one that's kind of like um, fairly uncommon. Basically, it depends on the most accepted definition of consciousness and the unconscious. Um, and that is like consciousness is basically awareness. You know, that's the most accepted general definition of consciousness in psychology. So what happens is, like, if consciousness is awareness, and the unconscious um, also is, like, it's, ba it's basically the part of the mind that we're not conscious of, okay? So, like, it, 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 it operates below the level of awareness, okay? You know, that's why they call it the unconscious. So here's the refutation. Um, to make any kind of decision, we have to rely on data, on memories, on words we've remembered, concepts. We also have to rely on principles, like, you know, whether whether decision makes sense, whether it's moral, whether it's hedonic, and we also have to rely on processing, all right, these three ingredients. Now, obviously, since consciousness is only awareness, the data for making decisions has to reside in the unconscious, and, like, if the data is in the unconscious, then the principles by which we decide and the processes by which we decide must also reside in the unconscious. So essentially, when we decide anything, it's basically our unconscious making a decision, and then just like we become aware or conscious of what the decision is. So that's that's a good way to understand how absolutely nothing is up to our conscious, you know, and and therefore we have no free will. Yeah, basically, we don't get to choose which memories and. It desires that the unconscious feeds us. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Who who will go next? David? Yeah, sure. I can go next. Uh, my argument would be that uh, we're all influenced by our environment. We have a mountain of evidence that shows that we behave in accordance with our environmental conditioning. So that's pretty much, that's pretty much my argument. Short and sweet. Yeah. Okay. How about Brad next? I don't know. It's, it, it, it's, it's, to me, it's always been a scary thought that we don't have free will, but I do have to acknowledge the fact that, I guess, I, I would I would say it's imp not impossible, 
but it's more of a redefinition of what we think of as free will a lot. I mean, I'd say 99.99% of our decisions are, you can try, everything can be traced back to something. So, I mean, there's, there's that, but I, like I said, it's a scary thought, but I, I do like to think that there is something, there is an element of us in our decision-making process. I mean, what we are, that can be redefined as a product of our previous experience. But then again, um, yeah, there is that, there is the universe as a whole. But then again, you have to, you have to examine the fact that being part of that unit, that universe, we can't really understand all of it at the same time. So I would say, I mean, I guess free will, I guess you would, I, I personally think of as a subset of those consequences. I don't know. All right, so, Brad, really yeah. not motivation, I would say, uh, motivation, but yeah, definitely a product of what we have experienced, what the universe has come to be in, before us in a linear progression, if yeah. we want to think of it like that. So you think it's a little scary. Um, yeah, because I, I was going to say, like, you know, after we do the UK episode, after this one, if, you, if you've got an hour and a half, we can do, um, we can do the third episode on that you know, the implications of, you know, if we don't have a free will, why is it scary? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, it basically means that we do not exist. I mean, that, that's the way I think of it. Uh, we are what we can choose. So, I mean, do we in fact exist? Or are we just, um, are we Carl Sagan's interpretation that we are the universe trying to understand itself? No, so, I, I mean, think that's a great topic. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's a very interesting one that definitely will take a whole separate podcast to talk about. Do Is there an yeah. actual we? Is there an actual us? And many people understand they identify that their choices is what defines who they are. And so if you take away their choices, they have an identity crisis. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's, that's, that's the scary part of it. I mean, do we in fact exist or are we just the universe trying to understand itself? I mean – yeah, I've been catching up with the past podcasts. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You put, you put me on the spotlight there, so I was just. Oh yeah, to... yeah. Well, no, sorry. It's a great yeah. topic. Yeah, but yeah, sir, that's very good because that that's related to what George and I often like to talk about. Okay, so let's see. Um, I don't think Trick Slattery or Anthony Bishop or Jamie Soden has done theirs yet of their little refutations of free will. I can go ahead if you want. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, first, I think uh, we have to have the uh, definition of free will because everybody defines free will in certain ways. And, and I think there's, there's a one way that, that uh, we should be defining free will, um, that uh, bec because it's a common intuition that people think that they could have done otherwise, like if, if given the exact same scenario again, that, that, that something could have changed that they could have done otherwise. Um, and in fact, there's a study on that that, that kind of goes into how 76% um, of people think that uh, people have free will. And in a, this is in a deterministic universe, meaning entirely causal, that they both have free will and that they could have done otherwise. So, so, so it's a common intuition that, that people feel that they have this ability. And, and I, I think this is the ability that I like to focus on because it's it's pretty much logically incoherent. It it doesn't make sense on the logical scale, uh, especially given uh, causality. Because um, 
it would imply that a cause can ha can be both the cause of one event and that exact same cause can be the cause of an, of another event instead of that other event. So basically what that does is it creates a self-contradictory cause and, and that self-contradiction makes it basically incoherent. It, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so as soon as we notice that, we're saying, okay, they're, they're, they're believing in something that is totally illogical. Um, and, then, and then when you get into the whole idea of uh, indeterminism, you know, a causality, we say that, they, that um, and, and this is why I define the definition as the ability to have of one's own accord done otherwise, because that of one's own accord uh, is impossible with an a-causal event. No, that uh, that a-causal event couldn't happen um, based on somebody's uh, ability, I guess. So, so it would just be something that came about, and they would have no control over that. So, either way, you have this uh, contradiction, this this problem logically, and uh, so that's that's why I don't believe in free will because it's logically incoherent. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also for for the dynamics thing where. Um, you know, entropy cannot be reversed, so you know that also would disprove uh, free will, wouldn't it? I'm not. I don't know much about that. What he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, sure. On that, that's. <laughs> well, Trick Slattery would know one about, wouldn't you, Trick? Uh, entropy being reversed, you said. Uh, yeah, entropy cannot be uh, reversed because that's a violation of uh, one of the um, laws of thermodynamics. Uh, yeah, entropy essentially is a causal yeah. process. So, like, right. yeah. Then you have to step into the realm of quantum mechanics. I mean, <laughs> so I mean that's 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 a whole different uh, right. bird right there. We, but yeah, Brad, right. we've we've tried to handle that issue on previous podcasts too. But basically, the what what I said and what Trick Slattery said that both causality and a causality, like you know, quantum mechanics, people throw in randomness or indeterminism to try to give us free will, but we're still not in control of it, so it's not of our own accord that we've done, that we could have done otherwise anyway. So yeah, so quantum mechanics is sort of like, it doesn't, no matter what your interpretation, it still doesn't give you free will. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and an event that doesn't have a cause to it means that we can't be the willer of that event. So, so it would be a, an event that would just pop into existence have an effect on us, maybe, perhaps, um, but it would be something that would be totally out of our control, just like any other event that extends to our past before we're even born. So, so either way, you're, we're always referring back to an event that we don't have any control of over, regardless, regardless if it's a causal event that happened even before we're born, or if it's an a-causal event, meaning a non-caused event that happens while we're still in existence, and it happens to influence us in some way yeah so to sum, sum it up it, it can a, a choice could be free or it could be willed but it can't be both <laughs> right yeah okay let's see we we need to hear from jamie soden and anthony bishop so which of you guys want to go next um i don't really have anything to say uh, I've, I've already got said saying about the you know laws of entropy and stuff I, I don't know i don't have any, anything else yet so you want to carry on yeah sure yeah. um there's there's only so much that can be said too so yeah. you probably would have to repeat our points we made so um but we'll hear from anthony bishop if he has anything to say um yeah but his mic's not working that's the thing oh oh, 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 oh that's too bad his mic's how's not that working gonna... 
Okay, right. so we won't get to hear what Anthony Bishop has to say in this episode. Um, so there was one more thing I wanted to say um, uh, in relation to what we had just been talking about. Is I, I, I kind of said this thing on Facebook a, wh a while ago. I said, the living have no freedom and the dead have no will. And what I meant by that was basically as long as you're alive, you are subject to the causality in the physical world, your bi biology, all your experiences with the physical body, all of that. And you're not free from that until you're dead. And so what one thing is that um, like, and of course, I believe that the dead have no will. The dead are no longer at all. But you would have to have a spirit, soul sort of uh, thing to be free from biology. But even that wouldn't give you freedom from the prior causes that make you do what you do. So even that, even if you throw in, you know, our decisions are spiritual rather than physical, that still doesn't give you um, being making a choice that has nothing to do with prior causes that you're still in control of. All right, so let's let's get into the Searle quote. So basically, the idea is like Susan Blackmore, a British psychologist, was interviewing a lot of like you know quote unquote big thinkers on consciousness. There's a book. Um, the book was titled Conversations on Consciousness. It was published in 2005, and John Searle is an eminent you know American philosopher. He's listed number 13th, 14th. Um, in this, this it was basically a survey done from the Stanford Encyclopedia of um, Philosophy. Basically, somebody determined that he was quoted or cited, you know, more times than than all but you know 12 or 13 other people of philosophers who were born after 1900. So he's a pretty you know well-known philosopher. And so basically, he said, you know, and I'm quoting again, for free will. To be acknowledged and understood by our world as an illusion would be a bigger revolution in our thinking than Einstein or Copernicus or Galileo or. Oh, hey, I, you, I don't hear George anymore. What's what's going on? Did we oh, Can anyone hear me? Yeah, I'm uh, Because he because he okay. was he was he was quoting John Searle's quote, but then I don't yeah. hear him anymore. Me neither. That's kind of weird. So we so we might be having some technical difficulty. Oh yeah, it yeah. says George is busy. So yeah, that yeah, that was. Right. I'm back. Yeah, I'm back now as well. Maybe you got another call. Okay, yeah, a yeah. Now we can hear Anthony Bishop, but we can't hear George. Yeah, see, this is just an example of all the things that happen outside of our control. <laughs> yeah, just blame God and stuff. That's all you need to do. Yeah, yeah, you can. Everybody yeah, blame the, blame God, the universe, or your internet connection, or whatever. <laughs> I my two brothers or something. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of weird. Um, well, anyway, okay, so I guess we'll try to move on until Joy, George rejoins us or whatever. But yeah, anyway, you know why it's the biggest thing ever um, that understanding that free will is an illusion. As part of it is, I think what Brad said is very important is that you know people identify um, themselves you know, their selves, who they are with the choices they make. And when they, but if they start realizing that the choices they make are determined by prior causes, including, you know, 
the biology they got, you know, which sperm met the egg, what people did before they existed, all that. And then all of a sudden they realized, wait, who I am is defined by everything that existed before I did. So there's no me anymore. And so it does change your relation to the universe because then it's like, dude, I am one with the universe. We all are, you know. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, George, are you back? Yeah, I, I have no idea what happened. Oh, yeah. You just <laughs> you just missed a, a lot about why I was – because after your audio cut out, I was explaining how the, this no free will understanding changes our relation to the universe. We're all one with the universe because we realize there's nothing that's us that wasn't already part of the universe, that wasn't already part of other people, other plants, other animals, you know, like, and so there's this oneness, this awesome oneness that, you know, the, the, the Hindus have it, the Buddhists have it, the, the Jains sort of have this idea. It's sort of that kind of thing. And that always appealed to me, but I get that scientifically understanding that physically, um, I am the matter that already existed. There's no new me that began to exist at conception. All you right, know. but the question is: the question is, why did he say that it's a bigger revolution in our thinking, essentially, than any other revolution in the past? Because that's why he listed Einstein and Newton and you know the the big uh, scientists. So, Trick, why do you think he said that? Because it affects so many things that we think, say, and do. Basically, um, if everybody just out of, out of all of a sudden thought we didn't have free will, if they if they understood the fact that we didn't have it and understood why and all that there's there's so many benefits to it um i don't think i don't necessarily think he particularly might have thought that, that it was a beneficial thing or not uh Cyril i'm talking about but Cyril uh, actually believes in free will so yeah he, yeah yeah so 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 Cyril like i so so he he's right in that aspect he's he's absolutely correct that it'll it would change everything but he's not correct in you know his position on the on free will. Well, obviously. <laughs> so so yeah. So so there's kind of and and that and that kind of says a lot. It says a lot to the the problems that we have that that we can't even get somebody that understands the importance of this topic topic to understand that you know free will doesn't exist. But right. That but that's a digression. Um, no, but Trick, it says a lot because, like, if he if he didn't believe in free will, that I don't think that the the statement would have as much weight. Right. Right. Yeah, th that's that's true. That is true. Um, but he's right because because of the whole uh, our whole concept of blame, our whole concept of uh, deserve, our whole concept of um, how we think about other people. Uh, you know, it, it, if they've done something and does it anger us? Why does it anger us? Um, do we think that they could have done otherwise? So so all these things kind of play into our mentality, and, and once everybody understands that we don't have free will, if that happens, um, those mentalities change, and along with that comes a whole new society, basically. Cool, Brad. What, what's your take on this? Why do you think it? You know, it's a, it's bigger than Newton, bigger than you know, Copernicus, all those guys, bigger than Darwin. Um, I don't know if it would be bigger. I think it's a misunderstanding of what we have defined as the, the concept of self, the concept of, of free will. I think it's not like uh, Chandler said, I don't think it's really so much 
like he said, there's no new matter. There's no new thing that really defines us that's been created since the creation of the universe. Um, what I think it's more, what I like to believe anyway, is more, it's, it's kind of a reorganization of that matter that it, I mean, it's, it, it brings back, I mean, I hate to go back to it, but quantum mechanics, it's kind of a random organization of, it's, it's a pattern of thinking. It's a pattern of us, who we are, is a reorganization of what was before. Um, and it's more just a new way of examining, I guess, the universe that we all come into being as a different pattern of thinking. I mean, our experiences are the matter within us, uh, the energy. It, it's all a unique kind of pattern. And without knowing, you know, the catalyst that started everything, you really can't. You, we, we have no hope of understanding it all. So um, I don't think it would really be a revelation Per se, I don't think it would change everything because I mean, people would still attempt to understand the universe around them. I mean, even if we didn't have free will, I mean, what we think of as free will would still motivate us to try to understand the world. I mean, I don't think it would really change everything per se. I think it would just be, I guess, more of a new religion per se well let me um, take a stab at it um basically I, I, um, basically for example with einstein okay einstein e equals mc squared general relativity special relativity it had a major effect on our physics it had some effect on our understanding in terms of like the twin paradox and like you know time being relative and all it just like messed with our with our view of reality but not in the real world in other words like the the twin paradox and the, the strange things that um in einstein's relativity had to do with like traveling at near the speed of light and all right so essentially einstein's revolution was pretty much technological it, it allowed for quantum mechanics and now all this like this technological revolution we're experiencing now. You go with Darwin, all right, his, basically he, you know, I think it was major. I think, you know, before Darwin, people believed that we were, you know, made from a clump of clay and, and, and the first woman was pulled out of the, the, the first man. You got to understand, people actually believe that. 50% of people still believe this. So fine. So, like, he, he challenged us to... Um, to understand that we evolved from lower life forms, you know, from apes and then ultimately from, you know, single cells and all. So that, that changed the view of who we were. Then we've got like Copernicus and Galileo who, who demonstrated, no, we're, we're not the center of the universe. You know, um, the sun, we revolve around the sun, you know. And, and so basically... Um, you know, these guys, um, and then Newton, of course, was the laws of, of, of nature, physics, all right? So the difference between all those things and what we're doing is basically our entire world is completely diluted regarding who we are as human beings. You know, almost everyone believes that things are up to us. We make decisions of our free will. What is that noise in the background? <laughs> I, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 
so anyway, so like, yeah. um, you know, people, people believe that, that things are up to us, you know, that we make choices that are up to us and the exact opposite. In other words, absolutely, you know, Brad, what you were saying before, yes, it's, it's surreal. We're puppets, we're robots, absolutely nothing is up to us. So it couldn't change more fundamentally the, the, our understanding of who we are as, as human species. You know, that's why I think it, it, it's, it's so major. It's like, you know, it, it would change our whole conception of who we are, not just who we are, but as Trick was saying before, of how we treat each other, of how we treat ourselves. The, the implications of this on our, on our criminal justice system, on our religious systems, on our economic systems would be more vast, more profound and, and world-changing than I think any other, you know, major change. And it'd be a major change to the educational systems as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they, what I, uh, yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that the benefits of this understanding are all positive. Like, there's really no negative um, problems with this understanding. Like, and some people think that you have to keep believing in free will to maintain a society, and if and that's not true at all. Because sure, it changes some things, but it doesn't change. The basic things that we already experience, you know, love, empathy, happiness, all the good things that we value, that still stays without a free will. It's not required. Well, Chandler, for us, you're right. But like for most of the, um, let's say most, most of Americans, 80, 90 percent of Americans that believe in a higher power or God, they're now confronted with the understanding that, uh-oh, God cannot be all good, cannot be omnibenevolent if we're in, if we don't have a free will we have to perhaps blame god for, for the evil that we do <laughs> so yeah I, yeah i think you're right george that means that kind of caused them to be resistant to that idea of course if they read their bible they would know god's not all good but that but that aside i mean seriously yeah so and i guess it's because people are taught that they need to blame somebody and you know well, what um Here's the one thing is even if people do get mad at God and blame God, which they can't because God can't have a free will either. Um, <laughs> well, right. what, what good is it going to do to blame God? I, I, I realize, hey, that doesn't really help anything. <laughs> we, we only have about like three minutes left. David, what's your take on, on Searle's statement? Why do you think you know, he said this was the biggest revolution ever? Um, well, I, I'm not sure about him, but for me it would be the fact that it would change everyone's position on blaming people and it would become more of like a, a compassionate view of people so we try to focus on what made them you know carry out a crime or or some kind of other aberrant behavior or if, it, or if it did something stupid like you know um, smashed your window or something like that you know right yeah yeah so you, you wouldn't just instantly blame the guy and you know, yeah. advocate some kind of punishment you would try to figure out why that person carried out that act you would try to find some preventative measures by, you know, preventing them from, you know, doing that same thing again. Like if someone breaks a window, you call the police and try to have them, you know, separated from you. Right. So yeah. that, you, you that transitions. Doesn't that transition into the realm of prediction more than uh, understanding? I mean, uh, I think what he said. I think he said it pretty pretty much because he was deluded. And. <laughs> for all intents and purposes, um, but he it wouldn't really change anything. I mean, I, it's, it's, I always told my friends, it's God, even God can't change that one plus one is two. I mean, it wouldn't change 
a lot of what we do. I mean, e even the lack of responsibility is in essence the same as just being able to blame God or an omniscient, all-present, all all-responsible being um, as saying, hey, it wasn't, it wasn't my fault. I mean, that just because wouldn't that give you motivation to do something saying if you could if you knew that you could just say hey it wasn't my fault i was predetermined to do it i, th so, I think I mean, we need to i think we need to get a, into this other topic of of blameworthiness and and deserve and things like that uh because that's a, like a topic on itself so i, I think uh, maybe at the next podcast or something maybe yeah and yeah um, we're, we're actually almost at our 31 minute mark so we really need to end this podcast actually, and start um, a different one <laughs> can i quickly say something like I mean, if god um did exist he would probably would have helped all these children in africa wouldn't he i mean he would have compassion for them and save their lives rather than letting them starvation uh, like starvation and stuff yes. yeah or, yeah or he can't be all good anthony it's great you're on the call great your mic yes thank you yeah yeah we should probably get my mic fixed. <laughs> yeah yeah but we'll probably need to end this one and start a start a new one because we're past 31 minutes and i'll have to do some editing out of extra silence and stuff Chandler, no it's point. if it goes 31 32 that's fine you know because we you know the we're, we're setting the limits ourselves well yeah i guess there's not really a limit Are we? I, I i just i just kind of a thing i like it to be you know 30 <laughs> minutes or under and that part part of that you no, know no, don't cut any yeah you know at this point you know like maybe when we get onto blog radio or something if we have like limits imposed upon us but like you know don't don't cut anything out if, if you can now right okay yeah okay so um so did you guys want to go along with this one or did you want to no, no, let's let's end, let's end because let's do the the uk one Okay. Well, you've been listening to Free Will, Science, and Religion, and each each of us on this call has been able to say what we think about why free will is impossible and how much of a difference it makes or not. So um, we'll talk more in future episodes. Bye. And why it's the biggest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, why it's the biggest thing ever. Thanks, George. Right. <laughs> okay, bye.